Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have back with us again here today Mr. Cliff Justice. Cliff is a principal in the U.S. firm and one of the executives leading KPMG's efforts around cognitive automation. So, Cliff, thanks for joining us here again today on Advice Worth Keeping. So, a few weeks back, we had a discussion around some of the different type of process automation. So, we talked about robotics process automation cognitive process automation. You gave us a very good overview of market and where it's going and some very good examples of what organizations are using these technologies. But what we wanted to drill in here to today is to really talk about the interrelationship between different types of process automation and really emphasize to our listeners that it's not an either or. There are different classes of technologies. There are different ways to apply them. There are different places where you'd want to apply them. And in some cases, one might be better than the other, but often it may be a combination of different types of automation. And also, I think we'd like to address, particularly with cognitive automation, how this may not be quite so far out there for many organizations as they might think. So maybe just to start out, how do you look at these different types of process automation technologies? Certainly, it's not an either-or, but how do you really articulate to your clients and our clients how to look at this space? We have a tiered structure to look at process automation and to look at the automation tools and capabilities that are out there. And it really centers around applications of artificial intelligence to the various tiers. So in circumstances and in processes that really require basic rules-based automation, that's what we would call class one. Those are tools that are simple to use. They require much less setup they require much less data analysis, and they're more focused on automating a routine process that has previously required a human being to perform and carry out. The general term we would use for this would be a swivel chair activity, taking information from one system, maybe applying a rule or a filter or some kind of context to it, and then applying and entering that information into another system. That would be what we would consider a class one. An example might be processing payroll transaction, processing an invoice, responding to a standard inquiry or question that falls within a certain parameter or set of common frequently asked questions. We see a large number of organizations deploying class one technologies in their organizations. This is the most commonly referred to as robotic process automation. As processes become more abstract, less well-defined, technologies are required that can understand and perceive the request and the environment. Technologies like natural language processing, these are advanced technologies that rely on large ontologies and large data sets of language examples and data, and they're able to perceive and understand the context of a question. This would fall into what we would call class two. These would be technologies that have some type of process automation component to it, but they also employ cognitive technologies like natural language processing, machine reasoning, natural language generation technologies to handle 
more complex and more abstract requests. We're seeing these technologies emerge very rapidly in the market in the form of chatbots. The examples with Amazon and their chatbot on the Echo platform. You see examples with Google Now and Google Home and Microsoft Cortana. Seeing many of these chatbots become uh, more commonplace in the consumer realm, but also chatbots that are commonplace in the enterprise realm like artificial solutions. This class two domain is expanding capability and expanding applicability at a very rapid pace. Class three technologies are the most advanced cognitive platforms and cognitive technologies. These typically reside at the large enterprise level. They deal with very complex problems. They work with very large data sets, and these data sets come from sources like images, videos, large bodies of research and knowledge. They can come from inputs from the internet and news sources. And these are technologies that are able to digest and converge data sets to deliver a contextual understanding to a human. And in class three technologies, humans and the cognitive systems really work in parallel to enhance judgment, to enhance judgment-oriented activities. We're, KPMG is using IBM Watson to enhance the audit process of commercial loans. We expect these technologies to expand into many more areas. You're seeing class three technologies being used in autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars to process images, to process traffic patterns, and make the appropriate decision and send those decision uh, signals to the vehicle to take evasive action. We're seeing these technologies in cars like Tesla and Volvo today and Mercedes-Benz today. We expect these technologies to roll out in the physical automation world on a much more rapid scale with use cases in autonomous drones being used for industrial purposes, but also in the cognitive automation world in areas like accounting and tax. We will look for these technologies in fraud detection and in cybersecurity. So all three of these classes, these increasingly sophisticated cognitive technologies have applicability for different use cases and different levels of sophistication in terms of the business process. So given some of those last examples you cited, it sounds like even the class three is something that most organizations should at least be thinking about in terms of applying within their operations. I think today a lot of organizations are looking primarily at class one and two. They're probably already doing class, because I'm sure all organizations are doing some form of class one, maybe thinking about class two. But from what you're saying, they really should be looking at all three of these. And should they be looking at them individually or more in concert? Is it something where a strategy should encompass all three of these, or should there be perhaps a strategy for one and two and a separate strategy for class three? You're absolutely right. All three of these classes are being exposed to enterprises globally. The very large enterprises are the Fortune 500 type enterprises are really the enterprises that are using class three the most. Chatbots and virtual personal assistants, which is commonly seen as a class two technology, has applicability in large companies as well as small companies. These are technologies that are largely on the cloud. They're easily consumable. They're increasingly low cost. The setup cost is low because most of the data sets reside in the cloud and they reside with the large scale providers who are offering the technologies, exposing the APIs in a way that a small company's IT department could consume and configure uh, an application to leverage the cognitive technology for their own use. 
Class three technologies today typically require training of large data sets. If companies are not willing to leverage the cloud and use the cloud because of privacy or security concerns or contractual concerns that they may have with a public sector entity or large corporate clients, then having the wherewithal and the capability to train your own data sets and having the infrastructure to put these data sets into a cognitive enabled environment really requires more expense and it requires a much larger environment and a more of an enterprise business case to justify the return on investment. We're seeing this in large-scale companies today, the class three, but we expect that almost every company, regardless of size, will eventually be deploying class one, two, and three. So in terms of long-term strategic planning for the mid-market and above, all three of these classes should be considered in the plan. In terms of applicability today, for most companies, it's going to be class one and class two, class two being the virtual personal assistants, which are going to have most of the applicability. So Cliff, you mentioned cost. So cost in the context of class two, as an organization is willing to utilize the cloud, might be less than they think. You mentioned another barrier in terms of an organization is not willing to use the cloud that can complicate things and also drive up costs, particularly for class three. But are there other challenges or barriers that you're seeing organizations facing that they should be aware of as they go into this? Are there other things that they should be preparing for? So you've hit upon a couple, but are there others to think about as they're starting to put together their short and medium-term strategies? The biggest area really making these systems work effectively and efficiently, and that centers around a comprehensive data and content strategy. These systems have to have data to learn, and they have to have context and content to be able to reason and provide effective results and effective outcomes. Really understanding how these systems are getting their data and getting fed the data and how the algorithms and the systems themselves are being trained to understand the context of the data as it applies to the business environment. Those are the bigger problems that have to be solved for their own systems to work properly. In terms of risk, security, these systems can be hacked. The same concerns around making these systems work in terms of quality of data can also be the same issues that can be used to cause mischief or cause problems within the systems by introducing corrupted data, by using AI technologies to penetrate systems with various points of entry. There's a lot of discussion around swarm intelligence and distributed attacks, denial of services attacks using smarter and more intelligent bots and web crawlers. Defending against these, even though they sound like simple old school attacks, these attacks have become much more effective and with the use of cognitive technology and artificial intelligence, these attacks can be more damaging than they have before. We saw a distributed denial of service attack take place uh, against DIN, which is one of the larger internet providers in the U.S. that affected large companies, some of the largest web-based companies and internet-based companies. These capabilities will continue. So cyber has to be elevated to one of the most strategic discussions that go arm-in-arm with any kind of digitization strategy or cognitive strategy. 
Cliff, is there also potentially regulatory risks? So, for example, the regulators not being able to keep up with the technologies. You have autonomous systems making decisions of various types and not having your traditional audit trail to determine how that decision was made. Is that a risk as well that, that organizations could be able to put systems and plans in place, but they're going to run afoul of the regulators because the regulations were written long before these capabilities existed, particularly capabilities of cognitive? The concern of the regulations not keeping up with the technology is a concern that's been around for a while. The speed at which these technologies are advancing is raising even more concern about the regulations not keeping up. That has to be a concern. It's a concern in some industries more than others, of course. In the heavily regulated financial services and healthcare industries, those industries have to be more aware of the communication to their regulators and communication of changes and what they're doing to their systems to the regulators. In the end, many believe that this will be better and safer for decision-making and audit trail purposes than having humans making some of these decisions, especially the rules-based decisions. Because of the point you mentioned, you will have audit trails. You will be able to audit the reasoning process that a machine went through, where when you have hundreds of humans making decisions, many things like personal experience and subjectivity might come into those decision-making processes. In one sense, it's going to be safer and more predictable for regulators. In the other sense, there's much more complexity that the algorithms will be able to consume in terms of data and data touch points that may introduce higher levels of risk. When you introduce external risk factors like hackers or malevolent individuals or governments that are trying to disrupt the systems, those sources might become more difficult to find. So the regulators may have to step in and look at the security associated with some of these systems. I think we're in for a lot of change over the next couple of years, and it will be interesting to see how the regulators respond. Cliff, then to wrap up, looking out three, four, or five years, for the organizations that have been successful adopting, embracing, exploiting process technology, particularly at the cognitive level, what's going to be their key differentiators? And on the flip side of that, the organizations that either are laggards in doing this or just unsuccessful, what are going to be their key disadvantages? Is it just the flip side of the advantages of the leaders, or are there going to be different challenges the laggards will face? Data is the new oil. The leaders are going to be the companies that have the best, most refined, most curated data. The best algorithms, the best technologies, the best cognitive systems in the world, the best robotics in the world are not going to be autonomous. They're not going to be effective without excellent, excellent curated data. Those are how these systems are going to make decisions. It's going to determine competitive advantage between one organization and another. The tools and the technologies themselves will largely be very similar eventually. It's going to be the data that really drives how effectively these technologies operate and the overall performance of the organizations that are deploying them. Smaller companies that don't have access to enterprise-level data on the same scale can use the cloud. The large cloud-based companies are bringing data to the table with them. And these large companies are differentiating themselves by the amount of data that they're bringing to the market because these data sets are training their systems. The organizations, the big enterprise cloud providers that have enormous amounts of consumer data, of image data, of video data, are 
in fact, bringing all of that to clients who choose to use their cloud platforms to deploy AI, to deploy cognitive technologies. It's a leveling of the playing field in a sense when you look at the massive amounts of data that companies like Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft and Google bring to the table. Great. As usual, very good insights on this, a very important topic. We'll certainly continue to get you back to keep up on what's going on in the market with this. But as usual, great stuff, and thank you very much for your time today on Advice Worth Keeping. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's the wrap. Thanks for your participation.